baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. America's school kids are suffering greatly in this pandemic. There is no question about that. But the larger issue of how to open schools and how soon has sparked a national debate, with the CDC clarifying its position to encourage more schools to move ahead with in-person learning. Big districts like New York, Chicago, and San Francisco have taken steps to get more kids in the classroom in the coming weeks and months. This week on 880 In-Depth, a conversation with the head of the nation's largest teachers union. Our teachers and all of the educators who support our students' learning want nothing more than to be in person with their students. Our Peter Haskell goes in-depth with Becky Pringle from the National Education Association on what it will take to get her members back in the classroom, how we need to fix racial inequities in education, And we ask her what it's like to have an educator now in the White House. I have to tell you, Peter, I smile every time someone says it or or if I say it myself. Dr. Jill Biden is not only an educator, she is an NEA member. Welcome to 880 In-Depth. I'm Tim Scheldt. New York City took a big step forward in this pandemic, welcoming middle school students back to the classroom by the end of this month. Parent Ann Herlick, who has two eighth grade boys, told us. I am so happy. I'm beside myself with joy. There's absolutely no downside to the children going back to school from my point of view. Megan Cossey, parent to a New York City 7th grader, says it's been very difficult. I've watched my son deteriorate academically, emotionally, mentally, socially. Pressure is mounting on schools to get kids back in the classroom. The difference may be that science recently has indicated that the virus has not spread as much in the classroom setting as some had predicted. Another difference maker the vaccine. A new survey from the National Education Association says 84% of its members have either already received the vaccine, scheduled their appointments, or plan to do so when it becomes available. 63% of the respondents said they would feel more comfortable and more willing to teach in person with the vaccine. Now, teachers are not on the front line for vaccines in most places, And the CDC says they don't have to be for in-person learning to take place. We wanted to hear more about that teacher's survey, so our Peter Haskell got on the phone with Becky Pringle, the Philadelphia native who took over as NEA head this past September. If you didn't know, the National Education Association is the nation's largest teacher's union. Peter, it is so good to join you. I can tell you as a science teacher for over 30 years, our teachers and all of the educators who support our students' learning want nothing more than to be in person with their students. 
What they have been asking for for over 10 months is that the government provide the resources to do just that. And as we did a survey of them, we found that, in fact, only 18% had gotten vaccinated. And we, we learned from them that uh, a strong majority of them feel that it would be safer working in person if they had that vaccine. Uh, they also talked about what we've been talking about for 10 months, which are the other mitigation factors to keep the students safe. And that is making sure they all have PPE and making sure that they all have the uh, materials to clean the surfaces, making sure they have good, healthy ventilation, making sure they can test, rapid testing and tracing so that when, when someone gets sick, they can easily isolate them and keep the rest of the school population healthy. And those are the things that they continue to ask for that showed up in our survey of them um, as we talk with them from all over the country. We've heard doctors say teachers can safely go back to school without being vaccinated. What do you think? What the CDC has said, and, and President Biden has said the same thing, and it's exactly what we've been saying, is that if you have all of the, if you strictly enforce, these are the words of the CDC, if you strictly enforce all of the mitigation measures, and that, that's all of those things that I just said, then uh, they believe it would be safe for our students to go back to schools, for our educators to go back to schools. Unfortunately, what we see all over the country is that that's not what's happening. And uh, that's understood, right? What, what school district had a budget line item that said coronavirus? None. So in those wealthier school districts where they have resources to supply all of that, they are doing it and they are able to reopen safely in our school districts that have been uh, marginalized and underfunded for decades. They don't have it and they depend on the government, the federal government to provide those resources. There are parents across the country who are concerned about academic backsliding. Is that something that's real and how do we overcome that? We've been talking to educators all over the country right now about just that. We know that the learning of our students has been disrupted. We have, we have many students who are doing very well uh, through virtual learning. We have some who are struggling and we know that. But all of our students um, are going to return to in-person learning and they're going to need more from us. They have suffered through trauma. They have social emotional needs that we, we need to address. Um, as well as those academic needs. And so what educators um, throughout the country are doing is they are coming together, they're collaborating, they're coming up with uh, their best thinking on how we can address any of the uh, disrupted learning that has occurred, making sure that each and every student is ready for that next step in their education journey, whether like my grandson, they're going from third grade to fourth grade. And so we are doing assessments in our school districts to find out exactly what our, our students know and are able to do to uh, provide that additional assistance to them so that they can uh, get ready and they can be successful next year. We've heard a lot about uh, COVID equity, vaccine equity. What about education equity? Are children of color suffering more than white children? You know, uh, Peter, that's always been the case. Uh, the light was shining on the inequities uh, that the coronavirus exposed to some people, but I will tell you that educators knew those inequities existed forever. We know that inequities exist based on race, 
and economic status. We know that there are students who have been marginalized throughout their entire education career, and we have been calling on the federal government to do something about that. So, for example, we have been asking for funding for school modernization for a decade, and here we are with our, our schools that serve, that serve our black and brown and indigenous students are most likely to not have up-to-date ventilation systems, are more likely to have air quality that is actually making the students sick. We have been calling for uh, closing the digital divide for a decade, and here we are. We've been talking about that before most of our students were, were in virtual learning because we already knew there was a homework gap for those students that didn't have the digital tools or access to the Internet. So those kind of inequities are, are pronounced. They, are, they, they, are, they disproportionately impact our black and brown and indigenous communities. And so we have been calling out those inequities, and we know that we need additional resources to close those gaps. You know, I'm curious about uh, the pandemic and education. What are you hearing about retirements and resignations and what impact is the pandemic going to have on the profession of teaching? You know, Peter, we've already seen that impact. We've seen um, many of our teachers, uh, more experienced teachers, either leaving the profession or retiring early. And probably even more troubling, that's pretty troubling because we want our experienced teachers. They're the ones that mentor our new teachers. But we are seeing uh, many of our teachers who have been in the profession only from uh, uh, zero to five years, and they are leaving the profession uh, in disparate amounts, and we are very concerned about that. They uh, are looking at a profession that already had challenges that certainly did not compensate them in the, in the manner that they, they deserve, that did not respect them as professionals and did not allow them the professional authority to make really good teaching and learning decisions for their students. So we were already struggling with that. And now with 10 months of being ignored and, and, and having a level of distrust build among educators that the uh, federal government would do anything except bully them into going back into unsafe schools has, has had a, a huge impact on recruiting teachers and on retaining them. And so we are working uh, with the, the Biden-Harris administration on addressing not only recruiting educators, but recruiting educators of color into the profession and working hard to support them so they'll stay in the profession. Do you think it would be helpful if the federal government set one set of guidelines for reopening across the board? We absolutely do, and that's what President Biden and his COVID response team is talking about doing. We know that he's working very closely with the CDC. We also know that his team is reaching out to the state departments of health and they're reaching out to the state governments to try to bring um, order to the chaos that we have existed in since the pandemic uh, hit the United States. Uh, we saw the lack of leadership. We saw the, the, um, the seemingly um, not, a, not just inefficiency, but it, 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 it appeared as though from the highest level that they didn't care about our students. They didn't care about our schools. They sure didn't care about our educators. One of the reasons our, our, our educators worked so hard all over the country to elect President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris, and they're doing exactly what they said they would do, and that is get control of the virus to work with the disease, uh, infectious disease experts, 
uh, to believe science as a science teacher. That hurts my heart that um, the federal government, before Joe Biden got elected, didn't believe in science. Um, and they're going to work with educators. They're going to partner with us. They're going to la- collaborate with us to do what's best for our students. Last question. I know you have to run. You went to the White House shortly after the president was sworn in. Two things. One, what what message does that send? And what does it mean to have an educator as first lady? I have to tell you, Peter, I smile every time someone says it or or if I say it myself. Dr. Jill Biden is not only an educator, she is an NEA member. And when we visited the White House uh, a couple of weeks ago, when she invited us, she wanted, that, she wanted that to be the first thing she did was to talk to educators and invited me to join her there. And, and that day, she had taught classes online virtually. She talked about how, how hard it was because it, it's not easy to teach virtually. It's a change for, for educators. And so she talked about how hard that was to have an educator who's actually teaching um, in the ear of the president. So he's, she's bringing to him real experiences from real educators, uh, from real students, from real schools, um, institutions of higher education, in her case, community schools, um, has an impact because he's hearing it firsthand what our students and educators need. And he uh, certainly is working on making sure that he is able to keep his promise to ensure they get it. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. I know you have to run. Thank you so much, Peter. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Becky Pringle, the head of the National Education Association with our Peter Haskell. By the way, how influential is she? Well, on day two of the Biden administration, she was a guest at the White House. A footnote here on the reopening of schools. This week, we also talked to Emmanuel Goldman. He's a microbiologist at Rutgers University in Newark who has strong feelings about the virus transmission. Listen to this. The risk <clears throat> the risk of schools and the risk of the subways is the air that you breathe. Um, what the schools need is some, is some method of purifying the air. <clears throat> and they need to socially distance because even if they purify the air, there's going to be an interval of time before uh, that air gets purified uh, when there's a uh, potential uh, transmission uh, of someone who has the virus and so, to someone who doesn't. Um, moving things outdoors is the best, but here we are in the winter with the snow covering us up to our noses and uh, terrible cold weather, and we can't do that. In principle, there is the risk that if someone freshly contaminates a surface with, co- with COVID-19 virus, and then somebody else touches that surface with, and doesn't wash their hands, and then touches their mouth, nose, or eyes. In principle, they could then get give themselves a disease that way. Even that is still somewhat hypothetical. Um, all you have to do is wash your hands. That breaks the cycle of transmission. The virus cannot be transmitted when you wash your hands. You don't need any other disinfectant. don't need anything else. We shall see. In Depth is a production of WCBS News Radio 880. Peter Haskell and I, Tim Scheld, are the executive producers. Find us here every week and subscribe to make sure you don't miss a topic. 
Just search for 880 In-Depth wherever you get your podcasts. As always, be safe and thank a teacher. Here I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.